to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Habili off the Caesar. Now he puts a kick out. Croak is there again. Oh, Jared Croaker! What a catch by the skipper! Come join us as we go Behind the Limelight. Yes, hi, and welcome to Behind the Limelight, the official Canberra Raiders podcast. And on location today, we're coming to you live from the ACTU AGL official school holiday player signing, Ben Pollock. Tommy Logan. How exciting is it this? I remember being a young kid growing up through the 90s and seeing blokes like Ricky, Laurie, Mal. Being so excited going to these club you know, activations out in the community. It's beautiful for Canberra, isn't it? It's wonderful and it's an opportunity. It's a beautiful, clear, crystal day, winter's day here in Canberra. And um, we've got an hour before we officially kick the signing off. There's already people lined up out the front. So, uh, as you said, you know, back in those days you had Laurie, Ricky, Mal, Clyde, and all those sorts of players. But, you know... Now looking at the squad, we're starting to get those origin players. Yes. Your Jack Whitens, Nick Kotricks, uh, Josh Papali. You've got your international players. John Bateman, Josh Hodgson, Elliot Whitehead, Joe Tarpany, Jordan Rapana. I mean, this squad is finally looking like uh, a team that can challenge for a title. And we saw that with a great performance uh, on Sunday night against the Dragons. Huge performance. Just to echo what you just said. At the start of the year, and this will tie into our chat a little later on about the, the Hall of Fame thing. At the start of the year, the club launched the inaugural Hall of Fame at the season launch. And it was showcasing what uh, 11 of, say, the 17 that, that uh, did their thing in 89. A lot of the guys like Gary Coins of the World, Dean Lancers, were saying, well, you know what, it's enough rolling that tape. It's time for these boys to start making some of their highlight reels. And they're starting to do that. You mentioned some boys playing Origin this year. And there's, there's a good bunch of blokes, blokes like Corey Hall's brother, that are coming a bit of a crowd favourite, a bit of a fan favourite around the community, Tommy Logan. Yeah, it's great to see. There's, a, there's definitely a lot of uh, players in this, this squad this year that have sort of a lot of character and personality. You know, I think obviously the Canberra community have just fallen in love with, you know, Chance, Nickel Clockstad and John Bateman and... You know, like you said, uh, big red Corey Horsburgh, he's become a bit of a cult hero at Jero There was people in the back at the, at the ground the other night uh, sitting behind the bench just chanting big red, big red uh, <laughs> when he came off from, from a stint and uh, he get, gave him over and gave him a little bit of a wave and a smile. And that, That's what it's all about. It's all about building that following and that support base and, uh, and the guys really showed on Sunday night against a very good team in the Dragons. I mean, they've got some wonderful players in their squad. Um, and, you know, with some adversity, we, we managed to, to blow them out of the water and finish with a really good win. Oh, huge win there, of course. Uh, full-time there at uh, Winstadion, 36 points to 14. Impressive again, another 40 minutes of football with that conceding a point, 16 points to nil. But I wanted to ask you, and I texted you during the game, I know you were busy, but was there a wind, a, a kind of breeze favouring someone? Because I saw some debris going across yeah, the field on screen. I thought, wow, I hope this isn't a 24-point advantage to a team because in the second half it might be tricky, but... Clearly not. The wind was actually blowing across the ground, so it was going uh, from the west to the east, out to the ocean. So if you could, if you watch the coverage, there was a big windsock in the middle of Wind mm. Stadium, and it was absolutely blowing a gale out towards the, the centre of the ground. So there was a bit of rubbish and stuff floating around on the ground. But look, to be honest, um, the, the, the wind wasn't a real factor because of the fact that it wasn't going one way or the other. So um, you know, the boys you know came out, put out that really strong performance in that first half. Uh, scored, a, I think that was 16-0 at the break and then came out, scored another two tries. Uh, then we probably dropped off a little bit. Uh, it was a, a little bit of a disappointing patch for us there. Conceded a couple of tries and then probably the catalyst for the for the, the, the snuff out the fight back was actually Nick Kotrick's yeah. send-off. Um, you know, that incident sort of sparked the boys back into gear and then we went on to score two tries with only 12 men on the field and that, that showed great resilience and great character and, uh, and got us the win. Well, the good thing about that is, well... Depends how you look at it. Sometimes when you're defending with 12 men, you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel because you're going to get 13 after 10 minutes. But knowing that the guy's not going to return, mm. it must 
could be a deeper situation there. Tommy Logan, of course, the club announced this morning they're just they're not going to fight the charge. He's going to cop three weeks on the chin. Yeah, I think that's probably the right decision after reviewing the footage and uh, uh, and seeing um, you know incidents that have gone before it. We just looked at it and went, you know, three weeks is um, is probably a good outcome for Nick. Look, Nick's not a Nick's not a grubby player. He's never had any he's never had any issues. Um, with judiciary or match review committees in the past. It's just a tackle that went wrong. Uh, he's a very strong young player. Like, he's very strong in upper body, obviously. Uh, and, he, and once he got Lafayette in a position where he was in a dangerous um, a dangerous place, it was um, he just couldn't pull out of the tackle. And um, unfortunately for Nick, he'll miss the next three games. But, uh, you know, he'll learn from it. And I'm sure whoever comes in to do a job, I think Michael Oldfield and Sebastian Chris are in the, in the mix to come in. So... Um, I'm sure one of those guys will come in and do a great job. Tommy Logan, of course, it is a contact sport and sometimes these things can go astray. It's, it's almost like the analogy is if you go to a barbecue and there's drinks and there's plates going everywhere and someone spills a drink, you don't spray them and say, what are you spilling that drink for? Get out of the party. It was an accident. A spear tackle is when you intentionally pick a guy up and drive yeah, him headfirst into the turf. And that's, yeah. not a, that's a spear it's tackle. It's not the 70s. Mm. This, is yeah. a, this is a dangerous stroke. You know? And like you said, it was an unintentional accidental thing, Tom, and, and Rick spoke about that in the press conference. Mm. Yeah, he did. And I thought he was absolutely spot on. I think it was, it was great that he actually came out and defended Nick as well. I think that you could tell that he was quite visibly quite emotional about the whole incident. You know, he was really sort of caring for his player and trying to, you know, stick up for him. And uh, as you guys touched on before, you know, there's absolutely no malice in Nick at all. Uh, he's not that sort of guy to do that. So I think the frustration from Rick stemmed in the fact that he was sent off and, you know, we hadn't seen a send-off for a lifting tackle, I think. Some, someone years. said 95, 1995 25 was the last years. Time yeah. since the person got sent off for a lifting tackle. But... Graham Annesley did draw a line in the sand a couple of weeks ago and say, look, the referees are now well within their right to use the sin bin and send off for incidents of foul play. But I think the thing that annoyed Rick was that we had one against the, the Eels a couple of weeks ago yep, where Terry Poe nearly took Rapana's yeah. head off with a, with a swinging arm. Mikhail Ravalawa, you know, reckless high shot, which put Jared Croker in an HIA position. Um, yeah, we got a penalty, but Ravalawa stays on the field. Could the bin have been used there? There's a case for that. Um, so, you know, I think that's where his frustration stemmed from. Um, and he just um, he just didn't, uh, you know, the precedent's been set. So yeah. next time someone does this, I think you'll see him go as well. Well, yeah, they have to now. They have to. The thing that annoyed me about the Ravalara incident was, is during the play, you could see that, Obviously, Ravalawa was coming across, but if he hadn't have taken out Croker, then it, then it's now a two-on-one, Simonson Croker on Dufty situation. Effectively, it really denied us a try-scoring opportunity. Yeah, stopped a try. Mm. Uh, stopped us from scoring a try with foul play. Um, and, and you lose a player, player. in yeah. a position where you don't have any cover for him on the bench, really. You have to reshuffle your forward pack. Um, and, the up, and the opposition get, get a, a standard penalty away. I mean, that's, what the, that's the case mm. that Ricky probably argued yeah. about being a little bit unfair in that situation. So, look, as long as the referees are consistent going forward, mm. I don't think there'll, there'll be any fallout from it. I think they've shown their hand now and say, look, if you're going to do something um, that puts someone in a dangerous position, whether it be a, a, a dangerous throw, a crusher tackle, uh, you know, intentional high shot, then, you know, you could have dump on the sideline. Well, unfortunately, that was a... Took the, the gloss off the win a little bit, knowing that, knowing Nicky as well, knowing that the personality of the guy, knowing that he would have been a bit worried, because I think he was asking Ricky, saying, what happens now? Yeah, exactly right. Well, he was a bit naive. He didn't really know. He's, he, he, um, he's, he's not that sort of player that, as we said, goes out to, to involve himself in situations like that. He was just pretty disappointed after the game, to be honest. He just sort of sat there quietly and, 
uh, and understood that uh, you know he's made a mistake. And but he'll learn from that. He's 22 yeah. years old. He's got his a big future ahead of him. Absolutely. Of course, uh, the Raiders go on to play the Tigers on Saturday night at Geo Stadium. It's a massive week. Now, quickly, you've caught up with a special man in regards to the 89 Grand Final yeah. and the club in general. Yeah, a guy that a, a few uh, diehard Raiders fans will know who he is. Uh, Father John Woods, uh, Monsignor Woods, who's been the club chaplain since um, back in those uh, mid eight mid eighties days, and uh, there's a fantastic story uh, which we'll share in the podcast later on uh, around his involvement in the lead into the '89 Grand Final, and it's just a wonderful reflection on what um, what took place in that. And you know, Father John's a wonderful figure. He's still involved with the club. He still yeah, leads the captains' runs. Yeah, the captains' run. He leads a, a bit of a prayer with the boys. Um, of faith um, before they go out into the field and he's just a wonderful human being and uh, I was really really proud and um, privileged to catch up with him so we'll listen to that a bit later on Yeah very soon, also of course this Friday we touched on at the start of the show about the gala situation and there's four more inductees in the club this year and there's a wonderful gala happening on the on Friday night with the RSF being the beneficiary of that as well, Ricky Stewart Foundation Tommy, exciting times, you know it starts here on Tuesday with the wonderful fan day here at Actual AGI and roll into Friday before game day, a huge gala, the assembly of, of Raiders people, Canberra people, sponsors, corporates, fans, and some wonderful uh, people coming, including the opposition in the Tigers as well. Yeah, massive night. Uh, I think we've got, uh, I think it's uh, Tim Brasher coming along as well. And, yeah, there's um, a few Ciro. Yeah, big Ciro, Paul Ciro. So. yep. Um, it's going to be, it's just a massive week, uh, week for the club in general. Um, and I'm just hoping that at, come, yeah, at, well, at the end of all of this, you know, we can come away with the two points and, you know, hopefully there's a big crowd, you know, at GIO Stadium there to help us. We're three from three on Old Boys Day. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good time for us for Evergreen, but you know those sort of records can be broken sometimes. But look, there's no doubt there's some there's plenty happening around this in and around this week with the with the gala on Friday night. We'll see some more people inducted into the Hall of Fame. So a special moment for friends and family of those people inducted, uh, and then we roll into to Saturday. Mm. Uh, we've got Canberra Milk as the match day sponsored uh, down there at GIO Stadium, and uh, we've got this uh, Forever Green event where I think I think it's up to 80 past players. It'll be the most we've ever wow. had. At a game before, so you know this um, allows the boys to you know celebrate a bit of the past, and it allows those past players to to get involved with the current squad, yeah. and they love that. And you know, there's nothing better. Again. There's nothing better than, than post game after this, you know, getting that mix of those older um, players together from lots of generations, and not just the glory years. We get the boys that um, that toiled it out during the mid two thousands that love coming back to this event. Joshy Miller. Um, Troy, Troy Thompson. Thompson, the boys like that, they just love to rally Tungy. around. Tungy, Camper, you know, it's just, it's really good. Um, and they have a great night. And they, they have a great night. They get together, they tell a few old stories, and it's just a wonderful uh, club atmosphere. It's just wonderful seeing you talk to ex-players, whether they were in the 90s, whether they were in those, that era you mentioned there, Benny. They still feel green, and it's a wonderful name, Forever Green, and it's a wonderful thing that Ricky Stewart brought back to the club, bringing some of the old rich history back to mingle with the current day squad. Yeah, I think for any club, it's really important that you acknowledge the past and anyone that's done the green jersey before. So it, I think I really admire that, that Rick's really brought that back in since he's been at the club. I think that's a really good sign of building a great culture. Anyway, there is a game of football. Uh, we'll talk about that. Raiders v the Tigers. Uh, we'll touch on the fact that Benji comes to, to Canberra once again. I think last time we we played them a few weeks ago at uh, up there in Sydney, and I think he's on, that's we broke sec- the curse. second loss. We broke the curse, the, the Robbie loss. Benji curse. We'd never lost. We'd never beaten them when they both played. We broke that curse. Um, Benji comes here in game 301. They're off the back of a pretty emotional week with all yeah. of that. They lost to the Eels. They'll be hungry. They'll be fired up. Um, but so are we. I mean, we've got a... We've got a, uh, an opportunity now to, to try and cement a position Absolutely. in the top four over the next month. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it all starts with a game on uh, Saturday night. Just to mention as well, the coach of the Tigers, the next Raiders boys, we're also perfect time again. He can catch up with a couple of his old former teammates. Anyway, gents, let's do this. <laughs> I'll start with you, Tom Logan. I've got to think of something. <laughs> That's all right, mate. I, I literally just made my decision about What's last week? Oh, I said, I, I, I'll admit I got this one wrong. I, I backed Jack to come back into the side and um, bagged so himself got, a try. You did, yep. But uh, unfortunately didn't, but I don't care because we got the win, so... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What do you got for this week? Yeah. So this week, I'm expecting John Bateman. I think he's, um, by his standards, I reckon he's probably thinking he's been a little bit quieter than usual, and I reckon he's going to come into this game and he's going to absolutely fire up, cause absolute havoc and get that, you know, sort of that mongrel back into him, and he'll probably even go over with a try. Yep. Ben Pollock, you mentioned you tipped... Uh, Smell to get a try, didn't get the try. Get the try what do you got this week? I'm going for a guy that scored 10 tries in seven games uh, against the West Tigers, a guy for the name of Jordan Rampener. That's he it. He loves okay. playing the Tigers. He's going to get a double this weekend. Um, a daily double for Raps. Oh. For me, how good CNK? How good was he last week? He's been outstanding. He can find the try line, whether it's on a short distance or a long distance. I think CNK is going to be a regular try scorer between now and the finals. I think he might get a double in a nice big win. For the Canberra Raiders on Saturday night, an emotional win and an emotional night. Emre Gula and Saliva Havili. Gents, how are we? Yeah, good. Good, good. thanks. How are you? Yeah. Of course, we're good, mate. I'm very good. We're coming live here from ACTU AGL. How important is it, boys? Uh, of course, exciting times for the school kids. They get to come and meet their players. Is there anyone that, that you went to? Obviously, start with you, Emre. You're a, you're a Bankstown boy. Who did you support growing up? Grew up um, supporting the Dogs, but I was a South Sydney junior. And like I remember going to South Sydney signings and seeing like big names, you know, like Roy Satasi and yeah. players like that. And, and then, like, when I got a bit older, when Sam Burgess first came and Greg Inglis, that was pretty exciting. You would have run out of those players signing. and so excited knowing that you met your heroes. And did you go back and back to the footy field on Tuesday and take all that in? Yeah, yeah. When you run out, you're like, oh, John Sutton, Sam <laughs> Burgess, all that stuff. Yeah, you get excited. <laughs> what about you, Lee? Obviously, you... Nah, yeah, I was in New Zealand. Um, I remember as a little kid, uh, I used to... I still line up for Stacey Jones, and that was one of the biggest ones I, I lined up for. And uh, he used to do those uh, shows where he used to turn up to like a local local shop and then get a ball sign and everything, get a photo, even his book. That was uh, was was thrilling as a kid. It was a massive so, deal, wasn't it? Yeah, big, big. So obviously we can see now as we look behind, there's a massive lineup going all around around Canberra City. Yeah doing that for you guys how does that feel for you boys knowing that these kids are going to be coming to use today and and getting stuff signed and they're going to be walking out of here pumped as well it must give you a good thrill yeah it's really good um you know uh, we we seen ourselves at this position quite a few years ago and then now with the guys giving these signatures away but um no it must be a thrill for these kids and just happy that we can bring a smile to their face too yeah mate must have a good feeling mate uh Young man like yourself, just 21 years of age, but it shows that these, these kids they look up to you as a, as a role model and also as a favourite footy player. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's just good to um, be someone that they can look up to and want to be like. Um, you know, it's, it's good because we're in that position one day. You know, so um, we'll do our part for the community, and you know, it's always good to do these things. Is there a part of that that you don't take things for granted, knowing that there's like all these kids out there really inspired around you guys and stuff? Um, yeah, uh, look, you know, you never take anything for granted, you know, because you know what, what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow. So, um, yeah, always just take it as it comes and, you know, it's a blessing to be in the position we are and, you know, to do these things for the kids and the community. Well, just talk a bit of footy, boys. Another good win against the Dragons, against your old mates there too. <laughs> 
how, what was it like? Of course, uh, unfortunately, Nicky got sent off down to 12 men. It's pretty easy in this modern age to just get into a pattern where you can defend. But something tells me that you guys went up a gear knowing that he's had to work a little bit extra hard. Um, yeah, I was I was on the field that time, and um, yeah, they were, were down by a player. Obviously, Nicky went off, and um, I was just seen with the, within the boys, you know, John Bateman and Hodgie got us together and just said, uh, gripped us, and you know, we know what it meant. Uh, we've trained all preseason. These, in these little scenarios and um, yeah, it took a bit of resilience out of the boys and you know, the boys all went up by extra gear and um, you know when, when we do that everyone buzzes off each other's energy and everyone just keep turning up so uh, that's a full credit to the boys yeah been a nice meet by that <laughs> crucial time lucky time um, yeah and even to score points with 12, 12 on the field and you know, definitely uh, was a was a buzz that just feeds energy into the boys too. So because now we're sitting third, it's a good chance to consolidate a top four position now. Yeah, um, we can only take a game by itself every can uh, every week. Um, but, um, no, it's good um, that we can just keep moving forward and um, hopefully we can solidify uh, a top four spot. So yeah, next uh, this week's more important for that result too. I'm still I'm excited. You know what I mean. I'm just excited to show what I can bring to the table and and what I can do for the boys. Um, yeah, you know, hopefully uh, get a few more games um, and just keep building on top of that. Of course, uh, you're quite active there on Instagram and social media, and sometimes you click onto your uh, your, your stories page there, and there's, there's a couple of cars roaming around there. You and yeah. Nikki there. What's, please explain. Is that your car? Yeah. Um, so the um, the the GDR is mine, um, and Nick has a uh, Mitsubishi Evo, which is uh, pretty quick. Pretty quick, bro. Yeah. Pretty quick, pretty quick, bro. <laughs> pretty what about sick. you? <laughs> Fully sick. What about you, Leaves? You have much in the cars at all? Nah, not really. I just got a family car. So I got a got a baby seat in the back. <laughs> I think my, my daughter will go too well in the GTRs. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gents. Of course, the Tigers this week. Uh, big game against the, the Tigers. Of course, we already beat them earlier on in the year, but it looks like they might uh, be a bit different defensively as well. He kept them to zero last time, but with, with a team like Benji Marshall and Robbie Farrer in there, they're always going to be ready to go. Switched on. Yeah. Oh, didn't see you there, you dog. <laughs> of course, Aiden sees there. Another one with the cast, probably. Another Turkish boys. <laughs> nah, Tigers will always be a hard game. Um, you know, I think their sort of style of footy will suit our, our track here at GIO. Nice and fast for them, and there's um, space for Luke Brooks and Benji Marshall to do their thing. But um, you know, I think we're going to be have to. And have to be up for this weekend's game, um, especially after that, the way we played in the first round. Also, too, of course, Forever Green Knights, so plenty of the old Raiders boys will be down and lots of emotion around the club, celebrating 30s of the 89 grand final. Always good to, to get a win in front of the old men as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it'll be, it'll be a big, um, big weekend. I know, if, especially for Ricky and um, guys that have you know played in them grand finals and been around the club for a long time, I think it'll be a, a big weekend for them, you know, to link up with past players and have a beer and hopefully you know get get the win for them guys you know and what they've done for the club will be real important you being 21 what year were you born um i don't, I don't think <laughs> i was born 98 so that was so you obviously weren't around, Can around you, have you seen yeah. footage, have you boys seen footage of the game at all of 89 yeah they show yeah, us a few yeah, clips yeah it's their 30th anniversary and um, yeah. uh Dico, um he's Made us watch a few of their clips, a bit of history lessons at Yeah, a few pre-season uh, and stuff. A few pre-season, bit of history. When you watch it, quizzes. how does it make you feel as current day Raiders? 
it sort of buzzes us out, like, you know, mm. what they've done and how they achieved it and everything, what they went through just to get the, the club's uh, first premiership. So. Yeah. Hang on, we've got someone coming down in here. Here they are, bro. Where's the Evo? We were just spoke about the cars with Nicky Chotrich there. It's suspended Nicky Chotrich. Anyway, boys. Three weeks of Evo drop. <laughs> <laughs> Take that buzz out on the field. All the best for the Tigers this weekend. Thanks. Thanks, Nicky. Thank you, Nicky. Appreciate it. Celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Green Machine's epic 1989 Grand Final victory. Well, joining us for Back in Time to 89 this week is a man who's been around the club for a very long time, back since 1986, involved in the club. Uh, I suppose you would call him a spiritual guidance and someone there who's looking over the team, but also there to lend an ear when somebody needs someone to talk to. I talk about Monsignor John Woods, uh, Father Woods as he's known around the Canberra Raiders Club. Father Woods, Welcome to the podcast, and uh, thanks very much for talking to us. Thanks very much, Ben. Well, the 89 Grand Final was one of the most iconic moments in club history, there's no doubt about that, and you wrote a letter to the team uh, before that game that they used uh, leading up to the game and also on game day itself, and you found yourself in the sheds being involved just before kickoff. Let's have a listen to that letter now, and then let's have a chat about what uh, transpired in the lead-up to that game. Dear Mel. Just a note to wish you and the other guys all the very best for Sunday. I consider it a privilege to have been associated with you as chaplain over the years. These sentiments would be echoed by your families, friends and many thousands of Canberra fans. Simply stated, the grand final is a challenge for you to realise your God-given potential as footballers. Inside each of you is a dream. Dreams do come true if you're willing to sacrifice what you are to become what your dream calls you to be. My prayer for you is that of St Paul. May your hidden self grow strong. I believe that you are ready for this challenge because you have all been willing to pay your dues thus far. Sunday's game will be the most demanding payment. It is simply another game And yet this game sums up all the other games. In this game, you will find out who you are. May your hidden self grow strong. May it be a great game played in the true spirit of the occasion. Good luck. God bless. And see you Sunday. Well, Father Woods, I suppose we'll start off by um, just having a little bit of a chat around this particular letter and how it all came to pass and, and how it got to the team. Tell us the story. Okay. Thanks, uh, Ben. I was in Sydney and uh, the grand final was coming up and I had to come back to Canberra and I thought I'd write a letter to Mel that captured something of how I thought and felt. And so I dropped it in to the Travelodge where they were staying at Camperdown and um, that was it as far as I was concerned. But then... When I went to the grand final and I was in the sheds before the game, I noticed some of the guys had it out and were reading it. And thought, oh, that's nice. And then as they went out to warm up, I was standing at the door and Mel said, um, oh, you know that letter you wrote? And I said, oh, yeah. He said, look, I used it as the base of a team talk last night. I was wondering if you could say a few things when we come back. And I said, uh, oh, yeah, all right. Um, because, one, uh, that's a pretty tense time before any game. 
but especially before a grand final. And so as they went out, I tried to think, well, what might I say? It was on cue, uh, mindful of the big occasion. Um, so when they came back in, uh, I asked the guys to sit down. They sat in a circle. And I think I said something along the lines of, you're all here because of the effort you put in, the support of family and loved ones. And I said, between you, there's a bond and uh, you call it mateship. And I agree with that. But I also said, I think it's the movement of what I'd call the Holy Spirit. So perhaps just to take a moment in quiet reflection, close your eyes. And outside you could hear the pre-game entertainment um, going on. So either guys are all very focused. Then I said, just open your eyes and look into the eyes of the other fellows because you don't do this on your own. And... I think I then said something to the effect of maybe a good game, may your dreams come true today and maybe you played in a true spirit. And um, and that was basically it. There was only Tim Sheehan's, I think John McIntyre. Um, there were very few in there. And then they went out and went on to win what was considered the greatest ever grand final. One of the things that all the players talk about around this game in particular is how calm everybody was pre-game do you think that your words had something to do with that because we all know the stories about what was going on in the opposition sheds Balmain they had the wrong size jerseys they were frantically cutting them frantically cutting them to try and get them to fill and everyone was very nervous and very tense and when Wayne Pierce came out for the coin toss with Mal Mal could almost smell the nervousness on him do you think that this sort of contributed to the calmness before they went out I'd certainly like to think so Ben uh I noticed when I came into the room that, um, you know, as I said, it's a grand final and everyone's a bit on edge, but there was, a, if you like, a focused purposeness, purposefulness in the, uh, the guys. And certainly uh, I think they were ready to go, but they were relaxed, uh, like you're saying. And perhaps the, the little reflection we had together, closing your eyes, you know, it's that moment where you just go within in the midst of all that's going on and what you're about to do. So I'd like to think so, yeah. Let's go back a few steps. Tell us a little bit about how you became involved with the Raiders and how it all began for you. Uh, okay, well, I was a priest in Queanbeyan and as it turned out, I knew the Ferner family, Don Ferner, the initial coach, um, and uh, I'd always had an interest in rugby league, also an interest in Aussie rules. Long story short, there was an Anglican guy who'd been a chaplain and at a farewell for him, he said uh, one of the things that he hadn't yet found a replacement for was a chaplain for the Raiders. And I said, oh, what do you mean? Anyway, had a yarn with John McIntyre and Don Ferner after I said to him, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd have some interest in that. I'd um, always enjoyed physical activity, um, done a fair bit of running. And uh, the idea, I think, from Don and John McIntyre's point of view was that you can be a presence there. Um, not all guys will seek you out. Hopefully um, all would respect what you're about and you'd get to know them and they you and see where it goes from there. So I, there's no, there was no rule book, there was no um, playbook, so I decided I'd go to the training and I'd join in the um, uh, physical stuff, or well, the running mainly and that sort of thing. I remember Sam Bacco, renowned former Raider and Queensland Australian player, in very colourful language, wanting to know what the, I was doing <laughs> when they were training at Seaford Oval in the rain. Um, but I think through that connection, it was an ease and from time to time, as a result of that, some good discussions came up one-on-one, uh, -on -one. but most of the time it was just low-key banter. And uh, But as I say, every now and then things came up and then over the course of the years, that was back in 86, 
there have been weddings, baptisms, funerals, um, and a number of one-on-one discussions. And I consider being a chaplain is, as someone put it very succinctly once, it's loitering with intent. <laughs> um, you're not paid, you've got no influence on the team, you're just around the place and you're probably, uh, I said someone said to me, sorry, someone once said to me that a naval chaplain is the rank of the person he's talking to. So I sort of see it a bit like that, whether you're talking to someone at front of office, um, one of the support staff or a player, coach, you're just meeting and having a chat. Over the years, no doubt, you've formed many different relationships and you've been able to help some people along the way. Does that give you a sense of pride to know that your involvement in people's lives? And you mentioned, you know, you've been um, up in front of the altar for weddings, baptism, funerals to do with the club. It must give you a sense of pride to have that connection so yep. strongly with the club. Yep. Look, I, I, I very much treasure my time with the Raiders um, because they're on their turf, if I could put it that way. When I'm in a parish, well, everyone knows me as father and priest do this sort of stuff, but out with the Raiders, um, you're on their turf and getting that acceptance and um, engagement. And sometimes at the most joyous and other times the most sad occasions in people's lives, but most of it, like a lot of life, just routine, as I say, low-key banter. Um, Yeah, it's certainly added to my appreciation of human aspiration, people coping with failure, coping with success, and and being a part of that and liking to think you can make some low-key contribution more by way of just support than anything. Back on to 1989, after the game um, had finished and the, and the team had won and all the celebrations began, did Mal reflect on that letter with you and, and what it meant to the team leading into the game? He, he did confirm that he'd used it the night before as the base of a team talk. One very prominent player... Um, who went on to play for Australia, he referred to it as the best mm, letter I'd ever write. <laughs> um, and a number of them commented. It's interesting because I, I at the time didn't think this letter was going to have a dramatic effect or indeed any effect. I just thought it was an expression of, well, you know, good on you, Mel, and the boys. Um, but somehow it touched into some things that they were obviously thinking and feeling. Earlier in the year I'd spoken with them about um, the... Endeavour of Terry Fox, the guy who with a prosthetic leg ran two-thirds of the way across Canada to raise money for cancer research. And I'd played for them uh, before a training session the Rod Stewart song, Never Give Up on a Dream. And uh, that impacted me and I think the story, having related to them, it impacted them. So the letter in part referred to dreams and that would have you know, connected back to the Terry Fox story. A dream of every NRL player surely is to win a grand final. So a lot of things came together, perhaps. It's a different time now to then. You know, we've moved 30 years on. Society's changed. Life's changed. One thing that remains consistent, though, is you and your role, and you're still there mm. to lend this ear, I suppose, to the players of the present. I'm sure you would love to be able to write a similar letter to the current group. Yeah, I mean, I think – I agree with you, Ben. Things have changed dramatically across the board – but having said that, I think uh, in human beings there are consistent aspirations and hope. We want to love and to be loved, to use our gifts for the good of others. Um, I suppose from a religious point of view, I'd see that a person of Jesus Christ came to show us how to do that. But I believe sincerely when people are being true to themselves and, and anything that's 
ennobling of being truly human contributes to human flourishing. And so, yes, there are changes, but the aspirations of people, I think, somewhat stay the same, albeit in a different setting. No worries. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks very much, Ben. (laughs) 